All right, so it's going to be the Chiefs and the Eagles, right, Sean? Oh, oh, what? <laughs> that that's how we're going to start off the recording is the Chiefs and the Eagles? <laughs> no, I changed my mind. I, I think it's going to be the Bengals and 49ers, and they're going oh, to do the, goodness um, gracious. the 1988 rematch of the Super Bowl. Well, Brock oh. Purdy is going to be the reincarnation of Joe Montana. Uh, excuse me, Joe Mantana, and uh, and Joe Burrow is John Elway, basically. No, it, it's Joe Montana, uh, to quote the great movie uh, Waterboy. Uh, that was a, a hell of a soft open there, Felipe. I got to give it to you. That was, um, I don't know what that was. Uh, well, I can always go harder. <laughs> But uh, this is a kid's show, right? No, it's a family show. A family. Yeah, your, <laughs> we, we should have Ice Cube on the next uh, episode. <laughs> Dear Mr. President. Oh, that that's uh, I think I'm going to I might pick that song for the music league. Uh, anyway, we're, we're too many tangents going off. I think the coffee's at maximum <laughs> capacity, but we are live on a Sunday morning here on Championship Sunday for the NFL. But we're not talking football. We're talking baseball from Maine to San Diego. As uh, Sean and I are back on a total basis podcast. Sean, how are you doing this morning? I don't know what's gotten into you. Is it the excess amounts of coffee? I think it's the coffee. Yeah, you are bouncing a little bit. Uh, That open, the Maine to San Diego jingle. Um, This is going to be an interesting show. I'm just buckling up and holding on for the ride. Cheers. But um, no, but you know we're, we're gonna talk about the Starbucks. You're a Starbucks guy. It, it's a uh, Coke Zero in a Starbucks cup. <laughs> oh, that's, well, that's even more disgusting. Come on, Coke Zero. It's better than Diet Coke. Come on now. Coke Zero is what my dealer sells me. I found out. Hey, it's been uh... anyway. Cartel jokes aside, uh, we are here to talk about some. What, what would you call them? Sleeper picks. Sleeper people going too low. Too low. Well. Here's an interesting exercise that Sean did. So we're basically, we're going to pick a player each. I do have backup players, Sean, in case uh, we uh, intersect somewhere. And um, we're going to start at a catcher. But basically, I will be looking at expert rankings and looking for uh, infield position players outside the top 15 uh, that are ranked by these so-called experts. Uh, and I'm going to find to see if I can get a player of somewhat of value or some upside or of interest and on Sean's uh, on the Sean side, he's going to look at ADP uh, and look to see uh, catchers who are falling outside the top 15 as well. But he's going to look at it from ADP standpoint. So, you know what we should have done? We should have flipped the coin for it to see who goes first. Uh, mythical coin. Heads. Tails. Okay. You go first then or do you, you defer to me? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so catcher, what if I told you? Uh, this this is a very weird year for catcher. There's a lot of guys that I like that are in the top. There's a lot of guys I don't like at the top. And then there's some guys like in the middle that are so-so, have some question marks, you know, per the usual for catchers in terms of health and playing time. But there's a guy all the way down here, um, 495 ADP. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. What if, what if I told you? Omar Arbaez. This guy, uh, yeah, shush, 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 shush. <laughs> if I told you this guy was joining a, a top five offense, uh, is going to get the majority of the playing time, is left-handed, so he's going to face more of the uh, platoon advantage. And before this year, the prior five seasons, he combined to hit 266, 351, 403 107 wrc plus the only wrinkle in all those years 
was the 2020 season, which we all know was. Um, yeah, Omar Narvaez sucked last year, not going to lie. But before this uh, 2022, he was one of the most consistent backstops, both offensively and defensively, especially after joining Milwaukee, really improved the defense to stick behind the plate. Um, I'm not expecting the 22 home runs from the 2019 rabbit ball season, but I do expect a slight regression to the norm for Omar Narvaez. So expect a 270 something average, uh, solid walk rate, always around nine, 10, 11%. Uh, so around 340, 350 on base, if you're in an on base league and he will be batting at the bottom of the lineup, no doubt. But if you're in a two catcher league or even a one catcher league, it, I've said this many times on the show before, Felipe. If I can't get somebody like Will Smith or all the other catchers that I've I've loved over the years, uh, Danny Jansen, uh, Tyler Stevenson, Alejandro Kirk, if I can't get one of those guys, I'm not picking a catcher until I have to, and I just don't want them to hurt me. Mm-hmm. And we've had this discussion many times. Omar Narvaez, I don't think really hurts you. And the Mets will have a, a deeper lineup – Narvaez will likely be batting behind somebody like Mark Canna, a high on base guy. So there might be more RBI opportunities for Omar Narvaez than you might think going into such a a deep lineup. So yeah, Omar Narvaez is my pick and he's basically free. (laughs) Yeah, basically he's free, um, but not free from your grasp. That's the thing. (laughs) You mentioned Will Smith. And uh, I think before we started the show, we talked about Ice Cube. Who's the better rapper, Will Smith or Ice Cube? Uh, wait better question ice ice cube who slaps harder that's what i was trying to ask uh, (laughs) i don't know maybe we should have them go on dana white's new like slap show oh why isn't will smith the host of that um oh that was a big that was a big miss there they should have had him be the like the game show host for it it makes sense because dana white (laughs) still got to be on the show after he slapped his wife around in Mexico. <laughs> so if you're if you're gonna tell me that they don't want the negative publicity that Will Smith would bring, I'm like, you still got Dana White on that show. <laughs> you're literally having people give themselves concussions on live that's, TV. That's basically the show. It's uh, who wants who wants to be uh, who wants to be a CTE patient? <laughs> who wants to know, donate their brain to science uh, when they're dead? You know, their child will be in a class action lawsuit. I'm sure. It's the year 2023, and it's one thing to, you know, have the MMA around and boxing still around. You know, I feel like there's some technique involved. This is literally, I mean, I guess you, you can argue that there is some is, technique, <laughs> but you're basically trying to slap the crap out of someone and, and give them concussions. So anyway, it's what a world you're catcher in. now, Felipe. So my, my, uh, my catcher. So I noticed that after the top 15 are gone. There's a lot of interesting prospects that I'm very surprised that are being ranked this low. I mean, at number 30, you got Gabriel Moreno. Uh, you have Jose Trevino, who's not a prospect, but still was all-star caliber last year, even though his season wasn't that good. Um, yeah, after the all-star game, it seemed like everything just went down the hill for him. Yeah. But uh, And then you still got Joey Bart, who we're still kind of waiting around. But my guy is Logan O'Hop. Yeah, I, I almost went with him. I I almost did. Gets a good pick. I like it. Go ahead. Oh, oh, and I forgot number twenty eight was Francisco Alvarez, who was my backup, just in case you would have. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you probably were worried about that. No, I went with the other Mets catcher, <laughs> and I was uh, really I didn't want to pick Narvaez, but like I didn't want to pick Gary Sanchez. Like, 
Ew. <laughs> Apparently nobody and, wants Gary Sanchez. Yeah, and, and Omar Narvaez has been my guy at catcher for years. Yep, I know. He, he was always the guy I picked. But Logan O'Hop is as safe of a catching prospect. I know I'm anti-catching uh, prospect, but, um, you know, I mean, I do argue that sometimes uh, being an older catcher is uh, more advantageous than uh, being a younger catcher. I mean, we, we've seen it with examples like Travis Darno, even guys like Martin Maldonado, they, ha- they get jobs forever just because they know how to uh utilize the system the in, <laughs> yeah utilize the intangibles that they've uh, gained um but uh yeah it, it in so in the top 10 i'm uh just, let me go back here in the top 10 it's a bunch of guys who are in the middle of the prime so not a lot of older catchers but it's just if anything it's going to be a bunch of late bloomers like sean murphy uh even william contrast i mean he's young but it's also taken him a while to uh get to this point of his career um, after being such a highly touted prospect for the Braves as a catching. Uh, and then you got Yasmani Grandal. So, Felipe, why are you talking about both sides of your mouth? I thought older was better at catcher. Yeah, but now we're seeing a, a, a change in movement. And what's one thing I preach about on the show all the time? You got to adjust. You got to always adjust, make adjustments. Last year's uh, sentiments are, are are this year's uh, lessons, you know, lessons to be learned. And Logan O'Hop as much as I am very questionable of catching prospects, it's as safe of a catching prospect as you're going to get, as you're going to see in this world. He's, uh, I don't know if if, if he's going to be as good as Atley Rushman, but you, the, uh, I think we talked about this from last year, Sean, the plate disciplines there. He takes walks. He can, does a very decent, does a very good job of limiting his strikeouts. I mean, I see a guy that takes a lot of pitches, even though I don't have the stats in front of me, but just looking at his strikeouts per walks and all that, it's a guy who takes a lot of pitches and is able to still keep his strikeout levels below 20%. He had a decent run uh, at 375 on base percentage last year in limited playing time with the Angels. Um, and it looks like it's his job to lose uh, in Los Angeles as well at only 23 years old. Catch yeah, number roster 19. resource has him as the starting catcher right now. I mean, <sighs> the only, only thing that worries me with Logan O'Hop Mm-hmm. is when you look at his numbers from this year in the minor leagues, which was all at the double-A level, uh, never played at triple-A this year. He did play six games at triple-A last year, did Dang not up. go well. Um, but the giant leap in walk rate, um, it basically doubled from 2021 to 2022. Um, the power, he hit 17 home runs last year in 98, 104 games. He hit 26 this year in 104 games. It was such a dramatic breakout. Like, even his 2021 numbers when he played most of his games in high A, um, he was good, but he wasn't great. It was 270, 335 on base, 459 slug, 111 WRC+. plus. You'll take that from a catcher, especially depending on his defensive work. Uh, But this year it was like... It was so over the top. Um, the walk, I mean, he, when he got traded to LA, uh, he played about 30 games for them, 29 games, and he hit 11 home runs. Granted, actually, what's their double A would be what Texas? No, oh, that's oh, he was in Madison where I'm about to move. He was with the Rocket City Trash Pandas now that I'm thinking about it, but um. I don't know really the park factors on that ballpark yet, but he had 11 home runs in 29 games, walked 22% of the time. I don't know. It almost feels a little bit too good to be true. Like he's not going to hit 306, 473, 673. He's not Barry Bonds. 
It's not happening. But uh, even if he is what he was with the Phillies AA affiliate, 275, 392, 496, I still think that's very aggressive for what I think his skill set truly is. I think he's a little bit lower average, maybe an on-base around 350. But I do think that the power gains are are pretty legitimate. I think he could be a 450-plus slug guy, easy. So maybe 20, 25 home run catcher here. And uh, ATC has him at 11 home runs, which, as you we all know, projections are more conservative than anything. Yeah. But at a 321 Woba, that puts him in the top 15 of catchers, which is what we're looking for. Can any of these guys outside the top 15 sneak into the top 15? And even though Logan O'Hop would be right on the precipice, um, if you're waiting that long for catcher, you might as well roll the dice and go with the upside. Uh, other guys ahead of him are Yasmani Grandal, which uh, I don't know, man. I've Yasmani Grandal went from being a top three catcher, top five at the oh, worst. He, he, he plunged. Now hard. he's barely in the top 15. I And I, I think everybody can see the dip, just like everybody was predicting when he signed a contract with the White Sox. In this instance, Alder is not better at catcher. Uh, let's see who else is on this thing. Um, Salvador Perez. Well, Salvador Perez is... Uh, no, thank you. Yeah, but, you know, it's still kind of steady at the 29 home runs, and he's going to be designating, uh, being more DH than anything. Yeah. So, so still a lot of... So, I mean, it's a lot of big names, but, but Logan O'Hop is right there with them. Yeah. And, and he's right there with Travis Dorn, Darno, who I, who I mentioned earlier as well so i mean their adps like oh 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 and your which rankings are you looking at expert rankings consensus expert rankings so uh so i'm looking at the rankings you're looking at adp and logan O'Hop at number 19 i i think you can easily move him up and reach for him uh and get him ahead of guys like eric haas elias diaz and joey bart i think the issue with him is the closer we get to spring training Mm -hmm. uh depending on how much he plays in spring training I think his price could skyrocket. And at that point, I would just rather have Gabriel Moreno. Mm. Like, I think that's going to be the the question a lot of fantasy managers ask themselves this year is, okay, I didn't get one of those top eight or nine catchers that I want. I'm just going to wait for one of the young guys, Moreno or Hop. And if that decision doesn't get made for you by one of them being drafted, um, I, I think that's going to be a question that a lot of people bounce around which one they want. That's a good point. That's a really good point. And uh, we'll see how that develops as this spring training. Well, pitchers and catchers have to report first, but then spring training comes and we'll see how that goes. Let's move on to first base then. Uh, I guess I'll kick things off on my end. Uh, you know, I hope that the shift and the fact that there's going to be more stolen bases really uh, does improve the situation here because I've never seen first base be so thin before. I was not excited. I'm usually excited to see if I could find someone outside the top 12, top 15. And the reason I do top 12, top 15, uh, Sean, is because uh, at that point, those guys should be fantasy starters, right? Yeah. At, at first base or at utility spots or a corner infield. So now we're just kind of looking to see, all right, well, who would be the next guy to step up? And in my experience, it, it, this position, first base, uh, would go maybe 20, 25 deep just because everybody can play first base. Yeah. N- not this year. This year I struggled. So I went with Josh Bell at number 17, even though that's uh, more of a, what do you call it, a, a, a household commodity. Yeah. I still went with him because uh, he's being underrated. I, I think just based on these rankings that like he's being underrated. 
despite the fact that it, ATC projections has him finishing with a WOBA of 345, which puts him ninth overall uh, in their projections. The home runs are not there, at, you know, only 20 home runs, only a 439 uh, slugging percentage, but I still believe in him. I mean, the guy is just too big and has seemingly has the right tools to not be a legitimate power hitter. So maybe I'm hoping that a move to Cleveland and just getting regular playing time is going to make all the difference in the world for this guy. Yeah, I mean, I've never been the biggest Josh Bell fan. Uh, I've been pretty open about that. I, I don't like drafting him. I, I don't trust him. That's the thing. Um, because we all remember back in 2019, rabbit ball season. Yeah, He had that month of really April and May, mainly May or he turned into Barry Bonds, and it was, like, scary. <laughs> and then for if you tracked it from June 1st and did it all the way through, like, I think even the first half of 2021 when he was in Washington, he was, like, terrible. He was a negative war player. Uh, and then he picked it up at the tail end of 2021, went raging hot again, and then it was into 2022 this year again. Uh, was still with Washington, and who did he try to do? Uh, San Diego, that's what yeah. it was. Um, this year, uh, he dropped the strikeouts again, which was kind of impressive, but he just completely lost any power he had. Um, posted the lowest slugging percentage since 2018 at 422. I mean, it's crazy to think somebody that big and who we kind of associate with larger home run totals, you know, 25 plus only slugging 422 while posting, you know, really good walk and strikeout numbers. Um, and it wasn't like a, a huge ground ball spike. His ground ball rate actually dropped, um, was still above his 2019 numbers, but uh, dropped from 2020, 2020 and 2021. If he's batting fourth for Cleveland behind Jose Ramirez, like roster resource has him right now. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. I, I That kind of, because if they're trusting him with, you know, his walk and his strikeout and his contact numbers uh, to fit into that lineup, which they're definitely going on guys. They want guys that are hitting the ball. Um, I, I might pick Josh Bell on a couple teams this year. I, I might hate myself for it in three months, but uh, I, I might just do it because I trust Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland's one of those ones. Okay, when they sign this guy, keep an eye on him. It's like the Dodgers. It's like the Rays. Yeah, yeah. We, we talk about it all the time. Yeah, and that's that's partially the reason why I'm intrigued by it. Like, well, there must be a reason why Cleveland wants him. And 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 that team, I don't think they're looking much. They're not looking for much power out of Josh Bell. If they get any, they just fine. want him to hit the ball. They just want him to put the ball in play. Yeah. That's what they're playing. They're playing and no more shifts. Oh, by the yeah. way, it's interesting that uh, Josh Bell and Brian Hayes are kind of. Uh, uh, they were both brought up by the Pittsburgh Pirates and the corner infielders who can't hit for power but are supposed to have a high hit tool and be able to co- take their walks and control their strikeouts. Uh, so, so they're doing something wrong with the in the Pirates. Where these yeah, guys... I was kind of shocked going back and looking at Josh Bell yeah. that he's never had a full season with a strikeout rate over twenty percent. I am it's the and Pirates, it, it is hard to believe because he's just such that big guy with a big swing, and I think it's part of it. Uh, when he hits from the right side of the plate, uh, being a switch hitter, mm-hmm. I do think he shortens up a good bit, and he's not really a. I, I would need to go back and look just to confirm. 
but it's uh, I definitely think he has a shorter swing from one side. The lefty is more like the uh, I'm gonna rip it and run and try yeah. and hit for power, but mm-hmm. him uh, right handed is a pretty uh, legit swing. Yeah, it's very interesting. I just was listening to the CBS podcast and they mentioned the same thing about Brian Hayes about how you know what it why are we still high on this kid? He, he's the ground ball rates are high, this, then, the other, and like, huh. And now that we're talking about Josh Bell, it feels like it's the same conversation that we're having. But, I mean, look at the guys behind Josh Bell. Jose Miranda, who's still kind of learning. Jake Hornworth, whose big value is in middle infield and not first base. Luis Arias, uh, if you want to go with a higher hit tool than Josh Bell with not as much power, then I guess you go with him. Joey Manessas, I am not picking a, a journeyman. <laughs> what, you, you don't want Frank Schwindel 2.0? Hey man, great! Just like Frank Schwindel in twenty one in twenty twenty two, great story from Joey Manessas. We spotlighted him uh, when we did the uh, uh, the was it a September call up show or something like that, where we were spotlighting guys who were. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was three guys, and Joey Manessas was one of those guys who was a, a lifelong minor league player and, and great story. But no, Josh Naylor, no, Brandon Drury, hell no, <laughs> Seth, hell Seth, no. Seth Brown, no, Tristan Casas. Maybe, but still, there's just so oh, many things going oh, wrong. Oh, Is that a segue? No. Oh, oh, I I think he just he oh, oh my 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 alarm's going off. You named my guy. It's like it's like I'm playing Minesweeper with you, or, or yeah, or, that's what it felt like, or battleships. <laughs> but yeah, and then and just to finish my thought here, I mean, what DJ Lemayhew? No, I don't want him as a, my first baseman. Trey Mancini, no. Miguel Vargas, no. Jarrett Walsh, no. Spencer eh, Miguel Vargas is interesting. Maybe not well, as a first baseman, more as at third base, but Miguel Vargas yeah. is interesting. I, 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 he is interesting, but it's still, you're still counting on a rookie to kind of man that position. And yeah. at that point, it's, I don't know, just Josh Bell seems to be the best of the bunch. And again, this is a position that used to be a lot deeper than this. And I now find myself not wanting to do anything uh, with any other player past the number 17th ranked uh, first baseman. But you are looking at ADP, and I already mentioned your guy, Tristan Casas. So, uh, I guess you're optimistic about him. Yeah, I just I, I've loved the minor league numbers for the last two years. He came up last year, uh, played in 27 games, 95 played, uh, yeah, played appearances, um, had 19 walks to 23 strikeouts. Uh, it's a pretty good ratio. Uh, hit too many ground balls. That that worries me a little bit. Um, 56 percent ground ball rate, but I'm not gonna freak out just yet because basically for the last three stops uh, his triple a season this year and his last little bit of triple a uh in 2021 uh, what was he in double a of 2021 he was at 42 percent ground ball rate but was in the low 30s um last year in terms of ground ball rate uh, hits the ball really hard. It has been comped to a Joey Votto, which is mm-hmm. always very, very interesting. And in the last years in the minors, uh, he put up over 705 plate appearances, a 15% walk rate, a 20% strikeout rate, and while slugging 491. And the weird thing with Cassis that people say is if he wanted to be like just the Ryan Howard type hitter, he could be. They say the power is that legitimate, um, but he shortens up. He's one of those guys just like Votto uh, from the left side, two strike counts, gets like way up, almost looks like Jeff McNeil on a regular swing where he's that high up on the bat 
um, just fights off at bats. Batted 280 with a 391 on base between double A AA and triple A the last two years. Uh, I really like it. And in that lineup, uh, I, I think the Red Sox lineup could actually be better. A lot, I know a lot of people are laughing at it right now, and I, I, I join in from time to time as well. But I, I think that we might be like just overlooking them because uh, dep- depending on how Masataka Yoshida does, uh, Devers is Devers, um, Verdugo, Cassis. Hey, Alberto Mondesi might be a thing again after his trade to the Red Sox. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, really excited for Tristan Cassis. Adam Duvall is your center fielder, which is still crazy to me. But, but think about it in that ballpark, though. Like, I don't like Adam Duvall. I hate his approach and his style of game. Mm-hmm. But in it's that a, ballpark, it, he could hit 35 home runs. I yeah, mean, I mean, Boston, it, it, we talked about the history of baseball, like, for a split second before we started the show. And Boston's are one of those teams that has a history of getting these, these big, burly, unathletic, right-handed hitters who are supposed to take advantage of the hit it over that tiny wall. <laughs> and, okay, not tiny wall, big wall, but very close to a wall. And they call it a curse. I just call it a mismanagement, poor player evaluation, just incompetent leadership over there. And they're going, oh my God, excuse me. And they're going right back to that well. Where's Vince Mercandetti to make fun of them in live <laughs> and on the air right now? Because I mean, he's been making, he's been on that train. This is Boston. This is who's going to compete against the Yankees. Oh, by the way, that's Vince does not sound like that at all. In my <laughs> mind, in, in my mind, Vince uh, sounds like a a coked out. Um, <laughs> this is uh, getting worse. <laughs> person when when he's really a, a reserved, uh, monotone guy in real life. But uh, in my mind, every time I read any of his things, like it's more like I can't believe Boston's like he has a <laughs> like that when he really is. If you really look at it, Boston. <laughs> I mean, Tristan Casas. Are you kidding me? Is he the next? Well, you know Castillo? what's funny is if Casas was a Yankee, they would be just like all over him. It'd be all over. <laughs> I mean, no, I think I think he might have. I think he compared. Oh, the last time I was, people were this high in a prospect. It was Rusty Castillo. How that worked out for you, bums? Oh, you can't even compare the two. <laughs> Oh, but Boston was all on that. And this is what you don't listen to fans, man. You do not listen to fans. Aren't, wait, aren't you guys fans? Yeah, but we're, we're superior but don't listen fans. To us. <laughs> we're superior fans. No, um, I thought, wait, you mentioned Joey Votto and Tristan Cassis. I thought Vinny Pasquantino, another Italian. I thought Vinny Pasquantino was the Joey Votto of, uh, of this generation. No, I think Vinny's more of... Uh, um, let me think of the comp, and then I'll just blurt it out in about fifteen minutes. There's one that I'm no, um, there's one that I'm thinking of, and I, it's escaping me. So just continue. Well, we continue to second base then. Um, I I was high on this guy last year. I think I might have spotlighted him uh, on last year's uh, one of last year's uh, prospect shows, and I'm gonna go with Vaughn Grissom here. Uh, I checked this morning. Roster Resource does have him starting still. Um, he is ranked number 17 among the expert consensus rankings at fantasy pros. So the number 17 is going to be a magic number. As you'll see, Sean, I have three guys who are ranked 17 on these lists, but for good, (laughs) but for good reason. I mean, Vaughn Grisham has the upside. Um, and just, just like Michael Harris is second, he, he was a very pivotal, uh, minor league player that the Braves called up last year. 
some people would say it was out of desperation and others would say, Hey, that's just good, you know, player evaluation and knowing who, knowing your organization and your farm system well and Vaughn Grisham, you know, you got five home runs and five stolen bases and 41 games out of him. So if you extrapolate that, we're talking maybe 15, 15, right, Sean, hopefully maybe, middle infielder, who maybe get 15 home runs, 15. I bases. still think he ends up at in left field regardless yeah as long as he qualifies yeah. that's all i care about uh on the up and up I, I, atc has him as a 14 home run 16 stolen base guy which we think well that's not well that's not nothing special felipe but you know a 335 projected woba what would that rank him uh, among second basemen as i go ahead and uh look at the atc rankings here uh oh here we go well, that was faster than i thought so at 335 that's the sixth best second baseman Projected in 2023, according to Ariel Cohen's uh, system here. Guys in front of him, Cattell Marte, Jorge Polanco, Luis Arias, Brandon Lau, and Jose Altuve. Uh, Sean, by yourself, is Vaughn Grisham, can he be the sixth best second baseman this year? I don't think so. Why do you think it's so high, though, the 335 I... Woba? It, what, you said 335 or 355? 335. Oh. Yeah, Jose Altuve is a leader at 356. Again, these are just the 2023 projections yeah. according to ATC, Ariel Cohen's uh, system here. Uh, but number I... six is high for us for a guy with limited playing time in, in his rookie season. And it will be probably getting all the plate appearances he can handle in his second, uh, in his very, very first full season in the majors. What, what do you account to that there? Yeah, I mean, he posted a 326 expected woe, but this year, ATC, you said 335. That does seem aggressive. Which is weird because um, they're usually very conservative. Yeah. And for, just to give you a, another... Uh, but it's like uh, even Steamer's right there at 330. So Yeah, I was going to mention Steamer. Even the bat, 321 is... I I can I can assume that 321, if I look at the bat... let's I'm looking at the bat right now. Woba, what did I say, 321? Okay, so that's a little bit better here. Von Grisham, number 20th ranked overall, uh, according to the bat. So, uh, you know, my Sean, as you know, I use ATC. I've been using ATC the last couple of seasons or so, Austin and I, and that's been pretty the, – the, those that system has been pretty good to me and helping me um, uh, do my rankings every season. Plus, Ariel actually talks to me on Twitter, so I feel like <laughs> – You guys are basically besties. Oh, yeah, we're best friends, yeah. I'm <laughs> – Still waiting for him. Well, anyway, uh, but number six overall with his skill set and just how exciting he is, uh, a little bit of a power speed, decent combination. I I, can, I cannot turn away. It's like a siren to me. It's a I feel I feel the power is maybe a little bit more illusory than we are expecting here. Uh, he's posted really solid line drive rates. Uh, he sh- does struggle against right-handed pitching. Uh, I would need to go back and dig more into the minor league side of that. But last year, uh, here, where was it? Oh, let me scroll down. And I was yeah. going to uh, he, I mean, he had a 728 OPS against right-handed pitching, which was good for a 103 WRC+. plus. But he also struck out 25% of the time, hardly walked. Uh, he really did crush lefties, had a 161 uh, WRC+. plus. I'm assuming I... Yeah, he just crushes lefties. Uh, 31.5% uh, line drive rate. Uh, very limited soft contact. Um, I'm just worried about him against right-handed pitching. 
uh, which we know is the predominant side. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm a little shocked that they're projected that high. I can see why because he had such a good year uh, just in professional baseball last year. But I do worry a little bit about the elevated BABIPs. Uh, he can mitigate some of that with his high line drive approach. But if right-handers kind of start to figure him out, um, could turn into a – I feel like the upside is starting everyday shortstop for the Braves, and he's batting like sixth. Downside could be he can't stick at shortstop. He's playing in left field and platooning with, like, Eddie Rosario. Like that, that, that I feel oh, like that's no way. I mean, that's uh, if if he sucks that bad against if he sucks against right-handers, like that, yeah. that could be a like that's the range. I, I think that's he's somewhere in the middle, but that's the range. I, I just I I I cannot live in a world where a guy of his of Vaughn Grissom's caliber, a twenty-two-year-old, yeah, twenty-two-year-old, is now needing to share at bats with Eddie Rosario. I mean, hey, Eddie Rosario is getting banked. I, I, Marcelo Zuna's getting banked. He's got to play. No, they no, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. The Braves won a championship. Just I saw, I saw a Braves. The... I saw a Braves fan say um, they should cut both Eddie Rosario and Marcelo Zuna, and hope that somebody signs them because it would save them one point four million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> because as all the all the other team has to do is pay the minimum, and that means the Braves don't have to pay 700 k or whatever it is. And I was, I thought that was so funny. I was like, yeah, you're going to just throw $30 million down, plus down the drain, um, so you can have $1.4 million in savings. It's, it's, people think the salary cap mentality is real out there, guys. Uh, Von Grissom, out of curiosity, will, would have been 14th in steamer projections when it came down to Wobo. And, and for those who don't know, weighted on base average, uh, basically, I don't know. I can't think straight, Sean. I think the coffee's wearing out. How would you best describe Wobo? Um, league adjusted offensive production made to look like batting average. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, they use linear weights for singles, doubles, triples, yeah. home runs, and I think even walks. Yep. And like Sean said, they scale it to look like a batting average. So either I'll way, say, expected Woba even takes it, I think, a step further. Uh, it takes into account um, the stack cast numbers. And yeah, that your speed, uh, your walk and strikeout numbers. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Well, anyway, that's my guy, uh, Vaughn Grisham. Who is your second baseman of choice? Uh, mine is going to be Brendan Donovan. And he was the guy who came up for the Cardinals last year uh, was like Tommy Edmund 2.0 guy. You had never even heard of was having a good year in the minors. And all he did as a rookie was post a 394 on base. And I know a lot of people, he only slugged 379. Oh my God. His on base was higher than a slug. The reason I really like Brendan Donovan this year, one, he played a bunch of positions for the Cardinals last year. Mm-hmm. So he's always going to have a spot on the roster. Uh, There's no real risk of, I mean, he could play every day at a different position. Uh, So that's always nice to have. And right now the Cardinals lineup, let me pull it up. He's batting eighth. Yeah, that's the, that's where I'm going here. So right now the roster resource has the Cardinals lineup is Tommy Edmund, Wilson Contreras, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Brendan Donovan batting fifth. Oh, wow. I thought it was, I don't think he'll bat fifth. I don't think he'll bat fifth. I think that'll go to somebody like Carlson, O'Neill, Newt Barr, uh, who everyone's just raving about. Um, I don't see Wilson Contreras batting second. I, I I don't know where 
Um, uh, our, the guy who runs the roster, Jeremy, uh, I can't remember his name. Um, um, shoot. Yeah, it, it's, it's beyond the point. I don't Martinez. see it. Like, yeah, how, how is Wilson Contreras batting second in a lineup that features Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado? Like, I don't understand that. But I think that Tommy Edmond, who we know Sean likes a little bit of Tommy Edmond. But last year, and really the last three years combined, has a 316 on base. He's stolen 64 bases. Tommy Edmond might need to be the nine hitter. That would be or eight, even the eight hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that happens, I think the very obvious choice for leadoff is Brendan Donovan, who, like I said, posted a 394 on base in his rookie year. And if you look back at his last two seasons in the minors, uh, his, the numbers were very similar to his rookie year numbers. He batted in, in the minors last year's 304, 397, 449. I think there's a little bit more doubles power in that bat that could raise the slug over 400. I know it's not a, a sexy fantasy profile, but if he scores 100-plus runs and you're getting him at – uh, where is he going? Uh, three fourteen, and he could potentially score more runs than anybody else at the position. Like, I think that would be an absolute win. And uh, yeah, Brendan Donovan's really good, and he had a thirteen percent walk rate, fifteen percent strikeout rate in the majors. Uh, the last years in the minors, uh, eleven percent walk rate, sixteen percent strikeout rate. So right there at the same, he's done nothing but hit the last two years. I don't expect that to stop anytime soon. My only concern with Brendan Donovan is is the same concerns I have with Brendan Nimmo. Uh, where are the county stats? Right, if, if you're playing Roto, uh, and if he comes back and hits five home runs and two stolen bases again, I have to question why you even bother selecting a guy like Brendan Donovan. Aside from the fact that he qualifies in multiple positions, uh, albeit there might be leagues where you know things like on base percentage are taken into account, batting average are taken into account, so maybe that's justifiable. But even for me, home runs and stolen bases are you contributing in those two areas in my book? And the highest projection I see here is from Steamer at nine home runs and five stolen bases. And I'll be, where where is that ranking there, Brent, uh, Brendan Donovan? Where, where where is he ranked in ADP? Uh, it was like three fifteen, I believe. I just saw. No, but where? Uh, so what? What number second? What number? Oh, second oh, base oh, oh, thirty four. Okay, so I guess if you're, uh, he, that late, he's matter, behind but... a couple of got names like Bryson Stott, C.J. Abrams, Luis Rangifo. They and ahead of guys, ahead of guys like Nolan Gorman, Chris Taylor, and Kike Hernandez. I thought you said good names. Oh it's, no, it's, I, a, I, it's a joke. It's a joke. Oh, <laughs> it sounded like one of those like bore my arms tired jokes because I just don't get it. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. That, that's a that's a red flag. I mean, unless you can convince me that he's gonna get to 15 home runs, and maybe I can, I can live with that. But I don't know. Just if you can't even get to double digits. That that that's like a concern of mine. But other than that, I I can't argue with the other points you made about him. It's I mean, he's definitely ch- more of like the an MI option if you know your league runs Dude. MI. Even in my, it, I would hope I can get a better MI option, uh, but I don't know. It it, it is a thirty four second baseman, so I guess that that's not too bad. Um, you said someone CJ Abrams and who else? Uh, Luis Rangifo. 
No, before Bri- that. Oh, Bryson Stott. Oh, Bryson Stott. I mean, I'm taking. I, I would take Donovan over all three of those guys. Yeah, for sure. I'm just anyway. It, it's I got to tell myself number thirty four, number thirty four. So it's not too bad. Okay. Uh, by the way, the backups. If you're interested, in case you would have, uh, if we would have uh, intersected at first base, my backup would have been Jose Miranda, and uh, my backup second baseman was Brendan Rogers. Ooh, there. Were, I, I traded him in the new thirty team league. I was um. I thought oh, he was about to. I thought he was about to get traded to Miami, and I wanted to get out ahead of that before any sort of value cratered on him for get, leaving Colorado. So I, I traded. <laughs> I felt like I got a good package back though, so that's no worries. Who'd you get back? Uh, I would have to look it up. Uh, let me find it while you keep going. I want to say Warning Bernabel was one of them. I just saw him recently. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, not in person. Sorry, not in person. <laughs> I was about to say, like, you saw him in person? <laughs> no, I, I was working on uh, on the pros- on my prospect rankings for the upcoming season, uh, and I'm looking at the Rockies. So basically, I'm just looking to see wh- what minor league players um, of a certain age, right? Because you know, you know me, I, I don't get any 28 year olds on my on my spreadsheets here when it comes to minor league players. Yeah, so I I traded him and the. 24th pick in the second round of the upcoming f- first year player draft. And I got back warming Bernabel, Calvin Ziegler from the Mets and the second round pick 15th overall. So I moved up nine spots in the second oh, nice. round. Uh, Calvin Ziegler, is he related to Brad Ziegler? I don't believe so. Okay. He's Canadian. Actually, wait, isn't Brad Ziegler Canadian? No, uh, you tell me, man. Oh, tell me. that's gracious. the first name I thought about. That is a side armor, right? The side. Yeah. Armor. Side arming righty round ball guy. Yeah, look that up. Um, but yeah, uh, warming Bernabel. Um, okay, Brad Ziegler the... is not Canadian. Also, they're not related. <laughs> uh, so warming Bernabel is, uh, he was, I'm looking at the Rockies uh, farm system and see if I can get any minor league players added to my list. You know, think guys to look out for for later in the year and maybe even possibly add them to my big spreadsheet that Austin and I are working on. And man, first of all, the Rockies system sucks, by the way. It's putrid. Yeah. Just Putrid. It's, it's not very good. How are you this bad? And I have a farm. You're basically the Orioles from like three or four years ago. I remember I used to brag about how miserable they used to make me around this time of year because I, I had to look at the roster. And anyway, but Warming Vernable did show up, but he's a little bit uh, still too young. Uh, he, I don't think he's going to be called up anytime soon. But yeah, it's funny that I just, I just saw his name pop up last night. Yeah, he was, he was a pop up guy whose value really did uh, come up a lot uh, in the 2022 season. And guess where you heard? You might have heard him on a particular podcast um, that airs lives on Sunday mornings. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this one! It was this one. <laughs> that was my guy, my third baseman of choice. Oh no, it was my a my a uh, my a affiliate uh, player from last year. Oh, wow, he was. That. He was. Yeah, Warming Bernabel, the third baseman. Uh, I saw a video of him too. Fun guy to watch. Okay, shortstop. Mine's is easy. I went uh, the, like the rates and barrels podcast used to say. Uh, I went oatmeal on this one, <laughs> and once again, number seventeen in honor of Mark Grace, uh, the former Cubs legend. Who now, well, if Scott Rowland's in the Hall of Fame, you oh, might God. as well put Mark Grace in there too. Stop it! Stop! Yeah. Stop yeah. it! I Stop. just <laughs> complained. I just complained about Brendan Rodgers not getting to nine home runs or get barely getting to nine home runs. And guess who used to get to nine home runs all the time? Mark Grace. <laughs> Punching Judy first baseman, that's 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 your backup. But he let the 90s in doubles and in, and in singles or in hits. No, no, he was 
he was uh, the singles. He was a, he was a uh, what do you call it? A bachelor. That's what he was. He was the most he available bachelor. The most available bachelor in Chicago for many many years. Oh, goodness anyway, gracious! The deputy mayor of Wrigleyville. Uh, Nico Horner is my guy. Oh, speaking of the Cubs, Nico Horner is my guy. And again, I went full oatmeal. The other guys uh, behind him did not impress me at all. Um, and again, shortstop. What, you don't want Javier Baez or Jorge Mateo or Tyro Estrada. I was thinking about it, but I'm like, nah, I think Nico <laughs> Horner is, is a safe pick. And uh, if anything, you know, he's projected to get to 18 stolen bases. So if getting a guy that late who's not going to hurt your batting average too much or your on-base percentage too much. Uh, you can't even say, well, he's a terrible uh, infielder. Therefore, there's a chance that he might get benched or anything like that. Uh, no, he's a very good infielder. And therefore, he's going to get all the playing time he can handle. So that's a step in the right direction. Uh, I'm looking for Nico Horner. Nico Horner, uh, yeah, 18 stolen bases. A guy who struggled to get to eight home runs. So I'm complaining about Brendan Donovan, but I'm championing Nico Horner. But at least he'll get you to 18 stolen bases. <laughs> Limits his strikeouts. Knows how to take a walk if need be. Or at least in relative terms, I know 6.4% is not that high as a projection. But, you know, 6 divided by 12%, that's about 50%. Uh, walk to strikeout ratio, which in today's game you'll take. Most of these guys are not doing that anymore. Uh, 278 batting average is a projected, which is pretty high compared to everybody else around him. And uh, when you sort the projections by war, he's literally the highest, except for Tim Anderson. And Tim Anderson comes with his own baggage, mostly yeah. injuries. And that's the comp there, I think, between Nico and for Nico is to, like a Tim Anderson. The comp. No. Yeah, I, I I think that's the, the that's the play style. The play style, no, like, like that. That's the guy. I mean, good average, a little bit of speed. Tim Anderson was much more explosive than Nico Horner. Tim could Anderson ever be. might hit for a little bit more power. It's it's a lot more power in his prime. Yeah, but there, there's I think some underlying data showing that uh, Nico. It was like at the end of the year that his uh, power numbers were kind of on the rise. I need well, to go it, back and dig through it, but it was like his hard hit rate and uh, fly ball line drive EV was like climbing. I want to say I heard. Well, if it's like, you know, recent Tim Anderson, the guy who can't stay healthy to save his life and is getting into fights with everybody and wants to be the face of baseball, oh God, but Jesus. with none of the results, then maybe I'll agree with you. But Tim Anderson, when he wasn't, in the middle of all that nonsense, he was a pretty explosive player. Like uh, I think, and career high home runs of twenty. I mean, for and is run more like seventeen, eighteen, seventeen. Yeah, Nico Horner wishes he can get that high. I he, think Nico, Nico Horner, Horner can hit fifteen home runs. He will never hit get that high. We've been you know, waiting. Like on Nico he, oh, he's never going to hit fifteen home runs. We've been waiting on Nico Horner to write do it something in like stone, that. people. Write it in stone. Nico Horner will one day hit fifteen home runs, and we've Felipe been, will owe me something. I don't know what to be determined. Been, We've been waiting on Nico Horner to do anything of that sort for ages now, and he's never come close to that. Felipe will owe me a favor to be named later. All right, so look at the careers. Uh, since 2020, Tim Anderson, more, a lot more home runs. Uh, although well, he's albeit, also played a lot more games. A lot more games, right? Yeah. All right, so let, let's go to the rate stats. Uh, a higher ISO power, although 148 versus 103, but you'll take the 148 any day. Mm-hmm. Uh, 309 batting average for Tim Anderson. Uh, Nico's not even there. 342 on base percentage, and uh, Nico Horner's at 336. Really? 457 slugging percentage. Nico Horner can't even sniff 400. 799 ops for Tim Anderson, 716 for Horner. Uh, that You can't even say that that the plate discipline's the same because uh, Horner is 
much more patient by comparison. While Tim Anderson just swings swings at everything. Right here. Keep talking. I'm contact trying. rates are yeah. higher. <laughs> contact rates are much higher for Nico Horner, despite the fact that he doesn't swing as much as uh Tim Anderson. And if you want to look at the rate at the uh Statcast numbers, I mean hard hit rate advantage Tim Anderson, barrel rate at oh. advantage. Oh, we talked about barrel rate before. Yeah. Nico Horner barely gets one one a year, let alone you know, <laughs> the same as Tim Anderson. Barrel rate, Tim Anderson, okay. 7.6% versus 2.2%. They're not the same. They're not okay. the same. Okay, La- last two years. Um, Tim, Anderson. I just did that 2020. Well, versus yeah, you, were, I, you were using 2020, I thought. Yeah, 2020. That's two. No, years. I'm, I'm, I'm using 21 and 22. Oh, well, you, see, that's the problem, Sean. You no, just, no, nobody cares about 2020. We all know that was, a Mickey, that was Mickey Mouse. That small, was Mickey Mouse. Always going with the small sample size. 2020 was Mickey Mouse. I just wanted to see this because oh, I boy. knew you were using 2020. Yeah, so roughly same amount of games. Grant and Nico had way less played appearances, uh, by like 200. Uh, Tim Anderson, 306, 338, 440. Nico Horner, 286, 341, 400. I think that the the slug can come up a little bit on Nico because we saw that happen even this year where he went from, you know, 369 to 410. And he sacrificed a little bit of walks, but he struck out less. He swung more. I don't know. I I still think Nico's trending up, and I and I think that Tim Anderson is like the. That's what Nico will be. I, I don't think yeah, so. I, I think so. I think he'll be lucky if he gets that high. We've been waiting on that to come and to come to fruition. It has. I mean, not what come was like Tim Anderson like his first few years? Ah, there it is. That's what I needed to look at. Tim Anderson the in the first, first couple three of years. years. Yeah, two fifty eight, two eighty six, four eleven. Yikes. Um. Yeah, he only slugged 411. <laughs> and he hit 46 here. home runs in his first three years. That's kind of impressive for being that bad of a hitter. From 2016 to 2018, uh, Tim Anderson, uh, yeah. 3%, 3% walk rate, 26% strikeout. Like right there is not even the same. It's nowhere near the same <laughs> as Nico Horner. But it, it comes with a 153 isolated power, which Nico Horner can't even can barely get to 100 see th- those those production those production numbers those rate stats are hey, closer N- to nico horner in his first 20 game sample size at a 154 Again, why are you always I'm, going I'm, this? I'm just i'm just doing this to mess with you at this point but anyway uh the, I, the the rate stats for nico horner are much closer to brendan donovan than they are to tim anderson that's why yeah nico horner wishes he could be a, as explosive as tim anderson uh, but Tim I mean, Anderson, there has to be a, like a legitimate like skill change here because he only had before the season, uh, six, eight professional home runs, eight in all the minor leagues and major leagues. Who Nico the, Horner? Yeah, and then this year he hit ten, and that's probably the, the the upside for him. That's ten. Listen, you don't draft Nico Horner in the in at the. In oh, the, I'm not drafting Nico Horner for home runs. <laughs> No, no, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you're not drafting. I mean, Nico Horner at this point of his career, he's oatmeal. Like, like, like Eno Saris, he's oatmeal. He's a safe pick. He's a safe pick because everybody is just too risky. So you go with Nico Horner and take his 18 stolen bases and go to bed, go to bed uh, comfortably at night that you are going to get 18 stolen bases <laughs> from a punch and Judy hitter. So yeah, but Tim Anderson, what if if his rate sets are not that high, are not as high in his first three seasons of his career? It's because he was a very raw. Um, athletic, just swing from his heels. Yeah, if anything, Tim Anderson and and Javier Baez were the same guy for many many years in terms of 
the the swinging rates, the lack of contact. The Anderson didn't have the real power though. Inconsistent uh, rate stats. No, true that, but still, a lot of it had to do with him just not being able to connect with the ball because he was just his just didn't have an approach at the play. He was uh, coming out but no, no, Nico Horner is not that. I, I think Brendan Donovan and Nico Horner are pretty much mirror images of each other. So that Brendan Donovan really, really doesn't swing at many pitches. Like he's extremely patient to, to, to a fault there, but you know, Brendan Donovan is Brandon Nimmo. Anybody named Brandon, they're all the same guys. <laughs> Brendan, Brandon, Brendan. Let's go Brandon. All right. <laughs> That's that should be my team name for next year, but make it like Brendan slash Brandon slash find another spelling for Brendan. Nico Horner. Oh, oh, oh uh, with an I, Brandon with an I. Yeah, or like an A-N at the end instead of an E-N, O-N. Brandon, the Don of Brandon. Yeah, well, that's what Nemo is, Brandon. And then uh, what's his name? Donovan is Brendan. Oh, God. Brand uh, Donovan, he's from uh, he's playing in the WBC for a different country, right? Or or am I dreaming? Uh, no, he's from Germany. Was that what it was? No, well, he he, he was born in Germany. That's what um, it was. Okay, but it's Lars Nupar that's playing for Team Japan. Yeah, I know that much. I know that much. I, th- I thought the Germans were um, were in the WBC for some reason. No, I do not believe. I do not believe they are. Well, let's uh, let's move to your short stuff. Who's your? By the way, my backup was Jeremy Pena, just in case. Yeah. My bet you, you would have you should have known I would have never picked Jeremy Pena. Oh, just you uh, never know. My never. shortstop, uh, he has no reason to be this slow. I know some people would be like, Yeah, he does. Uh, it's Carlos Correa. Why is he behind Willie Adamas, Gunnar Henderson, Tim Anderson, Carlos in Carlos Correa? And he's right in front of Jeremy Pena. I mean, within like a round of Jeremy Pena and Ahmed Rosario. What it, ranking? What ranking is that? Uh, 17th. Carlos, wow. Correa, Carlos Correa is not the 17th ranked shortstop. It's just wow, that's, not. That's crazy. I, I know he's basically a zero in stolen bases. I get it. I will find stolen bases elsewhere if I can get Carlos Correa as my shortstop. I mean, had a 140 WRC plus season last year, 291, 366, 467. Uh, hit 22 home runs in 136 games. We all know where the ball was last year, though. Uh, there'll be some adjustments uh, adjustments and he only had the 64 RBIs uh that seemed a little bit out of his control he actually hit pretty well with men on base um that the spots in front of him offensively were kind of a rotating door with Byron Buxton sometimes being there and then it was sometimes it was somebody completely else Buxton was on the bench Buxton was hurt um but yeah to me Carlos Correa should not be going behind Willie Adamas. I know Willie Adamas has a little bit more home run upside, but the average is much lower, runs much lower. Gunnar Henderson, I understand, is the sexy pick. Um, I like Gunnar. I'm not drafting him over Carlos Correa, though. And Tim Anderson, well, we just talked about Tim Anderson. So um, I guess if you're just desperate for steals, you'll take those guys over Carlos Correa. But like, it's not like Carlos Correa fell off. Carlos Correa was still very good. And he's 17th in shortstops. I, that's, I don't get that's that. That's insane. Yeah. And, and, I mean, I would take him over probably a few guys even in the top 10. Like uh, Carlos Correa or Xander Bogarts, you probably give the edge to Bogarts just because the guy's right around him in the lineup. But is there really a difference in two rounds between that? I, I don't know. I, I'd be concerned with Carlos Correa's health, although I think Bogarts also has some 
health issues of his own. Yeah, yeah. Remember. Like Bogarts isn't, you know, completely spotless there either. So and he's going and I, we mentioned before he's going to San Diego, which I still well, I just heard on the part on the CBS podcast that uh San Diego ranked as one of uh, one of the lower ranked uh home run hitter ball uh yeah what do you call it uh, one of the uh least friendly places to hit home runs in so Petco even with them moving fences in um what was it 10 years ago it's still oh, I was about to say I thought, you, I thought you were saying they were about to move them in again no 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 they they moved them once already in I don't know if they did it again since then but I remember like 10 10 or so years ago that they, they did move them in that they did move them in, and you're still getting the same results, the same struggles is what I'm trying to say here. All right, so Carlos Correa is your shortstop. I like Carlos Correa, uh, but yeah, the injuries, uh, it's, it's very concerning. But uh, yeah, there, ha- there there is something to be said about him or Xander Bogarts, and that, that's, a, that's a coin toss for me at this point. Yeah, or uh, like picking O'Neill, like I get why people are picking O'Neill Cruz. Don't shout at me, people. But like, why would you risk? I, I, you really have to like the upside of O'Neill Cruz. Like, you have to think he's reaching that 80th percentile to pick him, uh, 20 plus spots ahead of Carlos Correa. Like, I don't know. It's just mind boggling. I understand that stolen bases are valuable and they're, there are only so many of them out there. But I think this year of all years will be the year to not really lose your mind over stolen bases because like we said before the show started it's stolen bases are going to go up for everyone this year maybe even it, batting averages too yeah it could be yeah could he be even batting averages so it, it's just one of those like i'm not going to behold myself i've never really done that with stolen bases like i always made sure i got a couple of like guys that i really liked for stolen base you know mile straw last couple of years and guys like that but i'm not going to behold myself to stolen bases this year like <laughs> I, I just got to pick the best guy. Speaking of the shift, I, I saw an interview uh, with Cody Bellinger when he was at the Cubs convention. And he basically did explain that, you, you know, you, you, all your life you hit a ball up the middle and that's always been a hit. <laughs> and now it's not a like, you know, it's not a hit anymore. Like Justin Long, one of you over here, Justin Long from um, uh, Idiocracy. I don't know if you ever <laughs> Like, you know, like what I do here is like, you know, I, I but at the same time, it's like, I, I know they say that like the shift and I, I agree the shift killed balls up the middle. Like what used to be a hit for 50 years was no longer a hit. And they say, but I don't think these rules really fix that because all it says is two guys have to be on each side of second base. Well, the shortstop can still be standing behind second base, like one inch to the right of it. And he's still playing up the middle. Yeah, these so, guys and those guys have range, man. Yeah, I mean, we talked about <laughs> Tim Anderson. I, mean, I know he's getting older and he's probably not the same player he was like five years ago. But Tim Anderson can still I still think he can gobble up some. Oh, no way. Hold on. Wasn't Tim Anderson one of the worst rated uh, def- uh, shortstops defensively? This year, probably like he's been oh, trending heavily down. Oh man, never mind. Yeah, I thought there was still a little bit of athleticism, but, but yeah, maybe, must... but maybe you know the shift kind of helps, or the lack of the shift kind of maybe helps some of that. I don't know. Mm, I don't know about that, but yeah, Cody Bellinger. You know, I left the middle. It hits all my life. Now, now, uh, if I pull the ball to the right side and I get it to the hole, it's no longer a single. You know, okay, he was it's... only he was only minus two last year, which obviously that's... isn't good, but it's not no. like killing you. 
but Bellinger then mentioned something about, uh, but now you're grounding out to, to right field and it, it's, it's in the grass, but now you're grounding out to Manny Machado in right field. Like, what is that? I mean, you know what I mean? So I think it's going to help a lot this year, you know, and oh, if anybody God. needs help, it's Cody Bellinger. Yeah. All right. Third base. Uh, let's start with you. Who's your guy? Uh, I picked Alec Bohm. Ooh. And it's like, he wasn't even bad and he's not really going crazy low. Oh, wait. I goofed. Apparently, that was not there earlier. They have him as the 14th ranked third baseman. He was not 14 when I looked earlier. Oh, uh, okay, crap. Um, okay, we'll just pick Yandy Diaz, the man of the hour. Just got an extension. Uh, <laughs> it, it's basically Alec Bohm, uh, higher on base. Dude's getting paid. He's no longer a platoon risk or whatever. Uh, yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> I believe when I well, see it. It's like, it's like the really funny thing, the you know, with these flurry of Rays extensions, Jeffrey Springs, Pete Fairbanks, now Yandy Diaz. Uh, the one I really laughed at was when they gave Pete Fairbanks the deal for uh, three years, $12 million. They said, Pete Fairbanks is closer number one. No discussion. He's getting paid. And I was like, I just started laughing. And I was like, hey, don't lie to us, man. I was like. Okay, this is more reason for them to use him whenever the hell they want to. <laughs> but did you listen to uh, Eno Saris uh, on a couple of uh, Rates and Barrel podcast episodes ago? Where for a long, for the last couple of years, it was it's there's been an outcry from the Saver Metrics Analytics or the Smart Baseball Community, for lack of a better term, I don't know, <laughs> suggesting that. Are. You know, you guys shouldn't be using your closers, your ninth, your best relievers to be closing out games in ninth inning when the high leverage situations start on the sixth, seventh, or eighth inning. Eno Saris on the last a couple episodes ago, he says, it turns out that the highest leverage situation is the ninth inning. So that's why you're, it turns out the best pitcher should be pitching in the ninth inning because no matter what, that's going to be the highest leverage situation in any ball game. So um, I, I applaud the the uh self-awareness there uh and not not just from Eno Saris but it seems like he when Eno Saris talks he's it, it just seems like he's talking for everybody else in that community so I appreciate that but make up your minds okay. <laughs> Do we- yeah so I'm not sure I 100% buy into that I'm sure in terms of like win probability added there is a uh higher variation of you know in the ninth inning because you're down to your last three outs and each one of those outs drastically or each one of those outs or not outs drastically alters uh, your chance of a win. But to say that the ninth is automatically the highest leverage. um, No, I I can't get behind it. I I, I can't universally. I just can't get behind that. Well, let me ask you, Mr. Flannery. Uh, Mets are down right middle of the season, right? Let's call it July, July 29th. No, that's too late. Let's call it June seven, <laughs> June seventeenth, June seventeenth, twenty twenty three. We've uh, had a lot of seventeens in the show today. I know it must be my favorite number or something. Yeah. Mark Gray should be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> um, June seventeenth, twenty twenty three, right? And the Mets are up five three against the Braves. So it's a very important game because yeah. now now these games matter, right? Matter more than usual because you don't get the eighteen games you used to. Now it's more, it's less now. Okay. It's a very important game. You want and, and you're trying to win the series from the Mets, uh, the Braves. Sorry, it's the seventh inning. You're up, the Mets are up five three. The bases are loaded with two outs. Who do you bring in? What inning was it again? The, the seventh. The seventh. They're and and Ronald, Ronald Acuna. Ronald Acuna is up at the plate. Uh, 
I I don't burn Diaz. I'll bring in uh either one of uh Adovino or Robertson, whichever one he has worst career numbers against. So there you go. The the the, the seventh inning is not the most important inning. It's the ninth inning because even well, Sean that, no, will not bring in Edwin Diaz to seal the game for him. Because I, I, that's I mean, what, you, I mean you could, but there's two outs. And unless you're using Diaz to go back out there for the eighth, it's kind of a uh, a waste, I think. And I think, if, I think if you only need one out, you can rely on somebody that's not your best reliever. Okay, so if there's no outs, right? And then, then you oh, if there's no Diaz? outs, then you bring in Diaz. Mm. Yeah, I, I would bring in Diaz in that chance. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see about that when when Edwin Diaz is uh, brought into the sixth inning to preserve a game. And yeah, well, you said seventh inning. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just. I'm going into another example, right? But and, and he goes into the sixth inning, and now and now Mets fans are crying. Why is he? Why is he being preserved for the ninth inning? Who's going to get the saves now? Because at the end of the day, I mean, shoot. Mm. That's why Aroldis Chapman, you know, refused yeah. to pitch any other inning besides the ninth inning. Because number one. That's where the big bucks are being made, right? I need my At, saves, bro. <laughs> I need my saves, bro. Number two, you're starting with uh, bases empty as opposed to uh, those high leverage situations that we talked about. And I mean, we saw it with the Cubs, you know, and he went to the media and said that he wasn't comfortable. Then he got called out by Joe Madden and said, oh, no, I never said that. It's lost in translation. No, I'll I'll do six, seven, eight, whatever the Cubs need. That's what I'm here for. And he struggled mightily anytime he was brought in outside of the ninth inning best relief pitcher in the game cannot get into the game when 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 the situation calls for him in desperate in desperate need he almost butchered a couple of games in that in that world series run against the giants and against the guardians and say what you will about joe madden uh mismanaging that club the, the, the bullpen wasn't in, in shambles by the time it got to october the, and complete, the whole carl edwards jr uh, Pedro Strope uh, crossing Hector himself, Rondon. coming off the mound, pointing up to the sky <laughs> after he had just like loaded the bases. <laughs> well, he did it's his like, best. Thank God, I'm out of here, man. <laughs> well, I'm getting the hell out of here. But again, there's a reason why these guys they're very peculiar, and 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 it's fresh on my mind because Austin and and Kevin Miller did a podcast where they're screaming for some sort of uh, uh, what do you call it? Some sort of um, justice for relief pitchers and throughout the history of baseball, especially. From moving on forward because they're important, right? Sean, we, we talk, well, there's a podcast that we talk about relief pitchers nonstop, right? Yep. And even then, we're like, well, you know, Edwin Diaz should be getting his saves. Ah, we, we, it's nice that these guys can be trusted to come into the sixth, seventh, or eighth inning, but I would prefer a guy who could come, who is guaranteed a ninth inning spot. We just made fan of Peter Fearbanks because he can't get the closer role in Tampa Bay. So I don't know. Soapbox, that's all it was. Soapbox. I, I feel like a lot of it is especially like when you think of some like the greats it's almost like the theatrics of it sometimes are more than just theatrics where it's like okay if you can go into the ninth inning and you have a edwin diaz or you have a mariana rivera you have a uh heath bell trevor hoffman Oh no, Heath Bell was probably not the name I meant to say there. No, he but was, it, he was good. But there was oh, a song. There, yeah, 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 he had what Hell's the, Bells, I think. Baseball is the WWE. Baseball yeah, is WWE. And it's it's one all of those, scripted. Like, like once those guys enter in, like you hear the song, it, it's almost like a um, psychological warfare thing. Where as long as you get through eight innings and you know you're going to face this guy in the ninth, it might as well just the game might be over. 
Like, it's, why are we going out there? It's so it's like, only do you save that as like that little bit of to limit a chance of any sort of comeback. You use that guy in the ninth inning just to <laughs> stomp him into the mud. And John John Axford used to have uh, uh, new noise by the band Refuse, and, oh, and that got the Milwaukee Brewers crowd going. It got me going because I love that song, you know, from that band. But uh, it's psychological warfare until it stops working. Yeah, it, it, I mean, these are major league baseball players, and sure, you could see it in their faces when all hope is lost. They're only human, but. More often than not, these guys are built for those moments. Yeah. And the fact that I think it's a 162-game season, I feel like there is, there is more of like a – it's easier to get a, your opposing team to check out mentally if you get a big lead or you have the lead and you know you have your closer ready to come in. Like, I, I think it's easier for the oppose, opposing team to just be like, okay, we'll get them tomorrow. Myself. Yeah. Because yeah. there's so many games. So, and, and that, uh, it's so, a very interesting like psychological dynamic but at that point it's not even psychological warfare with the with the big entrances anymore it's just a, a team that's you know what we'll we'll fight to live another day we'll get you guys tomorrow or that's just just it just sounds more routine than psychological warfare to me but yeah. i digress i mean these are professionals uh they've been playing thousands of games all their lives and we see comebacks happen against the best pitchers all the time yep. these guys are not infallible at the same time though it, it really does bring up the question as to how else can we evaluate these guys who are only in this game for such a microcosm of a of a minute or of a of a matchup? And and the more I think about it, the 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 less answers, the more questions I have. Less answers, more questions. I know Fangraphs has something called meltdowns and 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 shutdowns, but again, the sample size is so small that it's not even worth. And the fact that it's like their numbers like the traditional numbers seem to change so drastically based on one outing like when you're watching it live like oh i remember this guy two days ago he gave up five runs but a lot of people don't think about why he gave up why his era went up two and a half runs but they'll see his era and it'll be like four and a half they'll be like oh this guy sucks and it's like the outing before when he came in it was under two like it's a very weird way i feel like more of the casual baseball observer will look at relievers and just be like, okay, it's a guy that's not good enough to start. And I I don't think that's it at all. And then to finish up the thing, I mean, saves, it's such an arbitrary and it was, it was literally created by, by, um, what the hell is his name? Well, it was created in the sixties just because this one guy, uh, who ended up being, I think it was Jerome Holtzman who ended up being major league baseball's official historian before he died. Uh, decided we got to give these guys credit who can go out there and get the last three outs of the game. And that's where the save comes. And it it has been evolved. And we see that the relief, uh, even pitching in major league baseball has evolved to where it is now, where everybody's specialized, where uh, mm-hmm. starting pitchers don't see lineups more than three times. Otherwise they get exposed. Uh, and so that's where it comes from. And, and yet we still have not come up with a statistic besides holds, which is so random and so arbitrary in itself that we don't know if we can rely on it or not, but it's the only thing we got going to evaluate, to give accounting stats to some of these middle relievers who deserve some shine. But even then we're like, yeah, but who cares about holds, right? Nobody yeah, cares I mean, about it's holds. like the weird thing and like reliever war isn't really the best way to go either, but it's a somewhat better description because you go and you look at the top 10 of relief pitcher war last year. Granted, the guy that's number 10, uh, was at 1.7, and there were one, two, three, four, five, uh, five relief pitchers with a 1.7 war. 
but you had number one, Diaz, 32 saves. Classe, number two, 42 saves. Devin Williams, number three, 15 saves. And, and then F4, F4? Uh, Evan Phillips, and he had F, two saves. No, F4? Uh, yes, F4, yeah. Okay, yeah, I got him. You got a. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Cause... Yeah, and Evan Phillips was number four. <laughs> I thought that's what you were saying. I was like, yes, no, I, we yeah, are on I, number four. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, I was one. If it's B War, uh, F4, no. F4 uh, will, will uh, account for a leverage situation. Go ahead. Yeah, and Evan Phillips was right there tied with Devin Williams at 2.2, and he only had two saves. AJ Minter, number five, he had five saves. Well, how many holds? Uh, yeah, that's the thing. I'd have to go back and yeah, I know. Look I know. Go ahead. Amount of holes, but it's like it's it's a very interesting like way of it. That seems better to judge than, but it's not even that's not that's the advanced analytic that's supposed to clear up all the misconception around the random stat, arbitrary stat like saves. But even it doesn't really paint the whole picture. It's um, there has got to be a combination of appearances, number of outs you can get, outs and innings. They're basically the same thing as far as I'm concerned. Strikeouts, things of that nature. Uh, I'm, sh- but again, in factor just, in like inherited runs, maybe yeah, or left like, on base percentage or something to that effect, without uh, resulting in a, in being such a luck based statistic. But you know. Yeah, Evan because, Phillips wasn't even tops. Oh, he was twenty first in holds. He had nineteen. Yeah, so which, that's the thing. Even the holds that they, they don't. Yeah, like he he didn't have a lot of saves. He had a good amount of holds. He didn't have a lot of holds. Um, yeah, I mean, AJ the, Minter was the leader with thirty four. Boxberger with twenty nine. But Evan it, Phillips was one of the best relief pitchers in baseball. One of the best reliefers in in baseball, and there is no statistic that that uh, there's no counting stat that shows how valuable he is to the LA Dodgers. Yeah. That's the problem that I have. And, and that's why I love, again, this is the show that we shed the spotlight on these relief pitchers. Cause there's a lot, uh, way too many to, to account for of good relief pitchers that will just go out there and just shut it down for your team. And then they got to hand the ball over to the ninth inning guy because that's yeah. just the way it works. And it, I think it's it's a crime that these guys don't get the the shine. But again, it, it has to be some sort of combination of rate stats with with how many outs you can get and how many times your name is called to go into game. Anyway, we're, we're uh, my third baseman, right? Uh, so you pick Yanni Diaz, so this is why I have backup plans. Yeah, and Jordan. I, Walk- I love how like I picked Yanni Diaz just like on a, on the whim because Alec Bohm changed spots magically on me. And we uh, like we, we talk about the Rays, and it magically becomes about relief pitchers. <laughs> That's the I mean the most what do you call it? the most revolutionary the most revolutionary team in all of baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays. And you're still feeling their effects. So now we got openers, we got piggybacks, we got the Dodgers winning World Series thanks to Andrew Friedman, yeah. our Lord and Savior Andrew <laughs> Friedman. Even though I think he might be Jewish, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I think it's a a pretty good guess. There. <laughs> I don't care. He walks on water. <laughs> he turns uh he turns water into wine. Oh god. <laughs> chicken shit into chicken soup sandwich. Uh, so who, who, uh, who, uh, was, who it was uh Jordan Walker, Texas Ranger, number 28. Uh, I'm going for the upside guy uh for the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, if I, you had to pick between Walker and Brett Beatty. And not not like I, I know Walker probably has like actually they have very similar chances at like opening day or major league playing time i think 
Oh boy, you got me on the spot because I, I was just about. I'm not. I haven't done the Cardinals and the Mets yet. They were next okay. on my list of, but I, I think I would have to go with Jordan Walker. Okay, I, 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 they're close to me. They're like they're really close. Call him. It was biased, but I, I think the other thing is. See, I got to be careful here because the Mets, even though they have all those veterans and they're in win now mode, they there's a good chance that Brett Beatty might get called up and and take and over just, for Escobar. And Escobar, Escobar goes to the bench. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think Escobar goes to the bench. But and they if are Escobar's in... like your first bat off the bench as a switch hitter, like you're in really good shape. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I'm, yeah. That, but that's not the issue. The issue is do the Mets have the patience yeah. to see Beatty? Or, and not that the Cardinals are any more patient, but the Cardinals are also just as impatient to have a revolving door. Uh, in the roster at first base dh or even i don't know anywhere outfield it, maybe it, it comes down i know they said that they really like him in right field um mm-hmm. which kind of made me think that maybe they were trying to trade dylan carlson this year um I, I know there are a lot of rumors that he was rumored in a deal for pablo lopez with the marlins um <laughs> but like jordan walker i think to me is either right field or first base and that means he either has to beat out Dylan Carlson or Juan Yepes, which Juan Yepes this time last year or even a little bit later into the offseason, like we were all raving about Juan Yepes. Everyone was excited for him. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. I, I think they both have weird ways to get on the major league roster and stick on it. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think I, Walker's the higher home run guy for sure than Beatty. I think he hits the ball in the air more, but they both and- hit the ball extremely hard. Yeah, uh, and, and, but you know, and the other thing, guess what? And when in doubt, when in doubt, Sean, Brett Beatty's left handed, Jordan Walker yep. isn't. Yep. Uh, Jordan Walker's bigger. Jordan Walker has also proven to steal some bases in the minor leagues where Brett Beatty really? hasn't. I didn't know. 20, 22 stolen bases in double A last year. Uh, and the Cardinals, I know they're a little bit more impatient, but that impatience might, le- might lead to them. Uh, pulling the trigger and just bringing up Jordan Walker as yeah. they're also competing. And unlike the Mets, the Cardinals are not shy about using their homegrown talent to compete. Yeah. Uh, they're not going to acquire veterans at a, at a higher clip than uh, uh, compared to how the Mets have done uh, their roster construction in the last couple of years with Cohen, Steve Cohen on, on, on the helm there. Um, I just think that's just too much pressure for the Mets to trust a guy like Brett Beatty, where I think the Cardinals are just going to, come to their senses and say, you know what? It's Jordan Walker time. Yeah. So Juan Yepes, get back to the bench or I don't know. I mean, we Something see what like the, I mean, they're off. It's just a revolving door. I make fun of Cardinal fans because they, they get attached to the Randall Gritchucks and the Tyler O'Neill's of the world. Like don't get attached. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh Harrison Bader. So awesome. Yeah, Harrison Bader's not a Yankee. Harrison Bader's gone. <laughs> Lars Newpar and, 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 and we have the best uh, outfield with Lars Don't Newpar get me started on Newpar. And, and Dylan uh, Carlson. Uh-huh. And, and yeah, guess what? They're going to get traded too. And, and, and maybe Juan Yepes takes over for one of them, or who else is on this team? And and let me see. Let me, I'm just gonna double check who else is on the outfield. Uh, Moises Gomez is is, is up. Oh, next. he's like 35 percent strikeout rate in AAA. Uh, he, he hit a shit ton of home runs. Not gonna lie, but like... the, the Tyler O'Neill of the triple other AAA squad right now. Okay, that's all I see. Uh, Jordan Walker, you just mentioned he could be outfield eligible, even though uh, he's listed as a third baseman. Oscar Mercado, remember him? Yeah, Cleveland guy. He's a Don't thing. Don't be surprised. Chase Pinder is on the on the on the minor leagues as Wait, well for the like the A's guy. Has to be. No, there that was Chad. Oh, this is another. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that was another, Chad Pinder. That's another Pinder in this crowd. I, I guess. 
All right. Well, two Penders uh, in a pod. Uh, Chase Pender, great plate discipline. Will walk as much as he strikes out. At least he showed that in Double A. Ten home runs, five stolen bases. Uh, you are now, and, and it's the Cardinals' way, man. They just bring up no name prospects, and all they do is compete and give it their all and keep the Cardinals afloat. Mm-hmm. And uh, last but not least, Jordan Walker, I believe, is a much better prospect than Brett Beatty as well. Even though I like both of them, but I I, I love Jordan Walker, and I would love to see him at the very worst get traded to another team that will give him playing time so but the Cardinals would be absolutely stupid to let him go absolutely yeah. stupid so that's my guy Jordan Walker number 28 and let's finish up with outfield uh I'm just gonna go at number 75 I got Osvaldo Cabrera I love the Yankee uh mm. young players hear me out here I love the Yankee players that are coming up soon uh if Peraza uh, I also like Osvaldo Peraza I like Osvaldo Cabrera if you're a Yankee, I am all for it. The problem with that is that there is such a thing as Yankee bias. There's so many Yankee fans out there. There are many. There's such a New York bias that you might lose out on these guys. But Osvaldo Peraza is supposed to be. I'm sorry, Osvaldo Cabrera is supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, it's it's confusing, isn't it? <laughs> I know. I, I get it mixed up too. But he is on the bench for now. But you're telling me he can't beat out Aaron Hicks. And the county, I think that doesn't say as much about him as you think it does. I, I honestly think it's just a, a, a loyalty and a, and a money factor with Aaron Hicks and just trying to showcase him so they can get him, they get rid of him and trade him to some sucker team out there. Uh, or maybe spring training, he's going to get exposed and he's going to get yeah. DFA'd or he's going to get hurt again. Yeah, which Osvaldo Cabrera, then he could just swoop in and he did pretty well last season and in, in limited playing time, I believe. I know I, I must have picked up him or the other guy, I, and I, I can't remember who, but I remember he was the one who played the most, so you probably picked him up. Yeah, uh, and Peraza didn't play that much. Okay, so Osvaldo Cabrera, I know the numbers don't say much, but a 111 WRC plus in limited playing time, you'll take that. He's projected to get to, uh, according to ATC, 13 home runs and 10 stolen bases. Hey. You know how I love, uh, you know how I like my power speed combinations, and, and again, that's in it, it's in four hundred seven plate appearances projections, but still counting stats, right? Thirteen home yeah. runs and ten stolen bases from a new guy like him, a rookie, or well, it, it, he still qualifies as a rookie, right? Uh, no, he doesn't. No, no. What, well, either way, seventy-one plate appearances. Either way, twenty-three-year-old, twenty-four-year-old by the time March rolls around. So, uh, and in Triple A, he did almost the exact same thing: eight home runs, ten stolen bases. With a decent on base percentage and some pop to his bat at AAA with the Yankees, so um, I think it, he would be the it, better option than Aaron Hicks. So it's just uh, I don't think he's a starter. I think he's one of those guys that's more valuable playing like off the bench, kind of plays everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a guy in mind for the comp, and it, it left me. Um, that's my, my, the, 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 no, because he he doesn't <laughs> walk enough. He strikes out too much. Um, but it's like it, it is that the the Zobris type player, but probably shouldn't play as much as Zobris did. I know he was pretty solid defensively out in the outfield, um, but yeah, it's it's a weird. He's a better real life player than he is a fantasy player. I think. I think there's some trans trans um, transposition transpositional skills here for Osvaldo Cabrera. Uh, I, I at number seventy five. Well, let's let's look. Let's take a look. Who did I m- not pick? And by the way, my backup plans. Well, I'll I'll wait for you to pick, but I do have backup plans oh. in store oh. here. But at number seventy five, I mean, Abisal Garcia. Do we want to go through that again? Oh God, oh. no, no, no. Uh, okay, well, in front it's Marcana. Do we want to go through that again? I don't. I don't want to. Marcana wasn't that bad. 
Uh, he wasn't good. I mean, he's, he's just so boring to me. He, he, least, he's a better real life player than fantasy player for sure. I think Cabrera has a little bit more upside. That's I, I would take Canna over Cabrera. No, Canna's too oatmeal for me. Uh, Tommy Pham, you, you want to? I mean, granted, Tommy the, the, like, likely these guys aren't starting for you in your lineup. They're sitting on your bench in case somebody gets hurt. That's what I mean. That's why yeah. I, I went deep in number seventy five because I can I can. But I, I trust Canna's like Canna will get more playing time. Yeah, you, you want to deal with a Tommy Pham, Mark Canna combination in New York? They're talking about them uh, sharing some playing time on the outfield. How about that? Yeah, I, that, that'll probably happen. Canna hits righties better than lefties, and Pham will play against some lefties either in left field or DH probably. Yeah, I'm not dealing with that. Uh, uh, you want to go through the Jerry Kalenic experiment for another <laughs> year? Trent Grisham? Brandon Marsh, those are all guys oh, ahead of uh, Osvaldo Cabrera. Alves Garcia is behind them. You want to go through Johan Yepes after we just talked so bad about him in the last segment? Akil Badu. <laughs> no, not I anymore. I can't help myself. Alice Karoloff, you you trust the Twins are finally going to give him playing time, or that he? Well, can, no, uh, his like they've tried. He's just he, uh, he, he gets exposed. Huh? No, he gets hurt. He gets hurt. Karoloff uh, and Larnick are the they keep getting hurt. Oh, that's right. Yeah, right. I heard about Larnick. You want to go through Mar- like the wrist or the thumb? Oh, that's bad news. You want to go through Marcelo Zuna again? No. Bubba Thompson in Texas? No. No. You want to see what S- how low of power Estuary Ruiz yes. can give you in Oakland? Yes. Give give me all of the Estuary Ruiz this year. You want to go through Miles Straw and his low batting average? So- give me Miles Straw again this year. I won't quit. <laughs> Uh, oh, Edward, you want to see if Edward Alvarez can stay healthy and take advantage of the chances that he might get with Kansas City Royals? Yeah, they're still not going to play him. I, I, right, I gave. I, I love Edward Alvarez. I, I remember I was on him for like an entire season, and they would not call him up. And well, um, what about Diet Luis Robert and Oscar Colas? Colas, no. Alex. I saw I saw him play in person. I, I I know the numbers are pretty good for what he did last year. You, I don't think he's that good. I think he's maybe like. Cliff Floyd light like he might hit for a lot of power but I think the I don't think the defense is very good the arm is great but the defense is so so um and what I, he's, a, he's got a big swing, swing what about us. Alec Thomas in a crowded Arizona Diamondbacks outfield it's not that crowded after they traded Varsho it's he's he's listed in the minors Right now, do they, do they really? Who do they have as the starting outfield? Uh, off the top of my head, they got McCarthy. They got, uh, I'm sure Corbin Carroll's Carol. up there. And you got to play Lotus Gurriel somewhere. Uh, I thought they had him at DH. Let me go back and look. But that, oh my god, they I mean. do have Gurriel as the left fielder. Come on, Come on, man. Now that, that that may not happen, that it may end yeah. up that because I added him to my big spreadsheet because I, I, I'm anticipating that Alec Thomas will be back on the big team. But just the fact that, and then they still got Kyle Lewis, who they didn't just trade for just so they can put him back in the minors. And at some of their some of their moves don't make like Longoria like in a vacuum makes sense, but not when you have Guriel and Kyle Lewis. I well, don't know. This is they, all those guys should be DHing. Yeah, I, I I have a feeling that these are all they're trying to do. What trade picking up trade chips for later in the season? Maybe, yeah, is, that, that could that could work. That could work, or you know, just to show the fan base, hey, we got some veterans coming to help out the young guys, so buy some tickets, please. But that's what I mean, at least with Cabrera. And if the county stats are an indication, you got a 15 15 guy drafted this late, and all he has to do is overtake what's his face, um, oh, Aaron Hicks. I mean, yeah. come on, 
I mean, it's it's it's, it's a better it's a better uh, uh, road to getting regular playing time as opposed to the guys I just mentioned. You want to go through Max Kepler again? The Max Kepler? Yes. Yes, I do. The band of the shift. I would very much like Max Kepler. I was surprised that the Marlins didn't try and get Arias and Kepler in that deal. Maybe make Joey Adele good again. Oh, no, no, no. That's that's not a thing. Nolan Jones with the Colorado Rockies and maybe. Oh, I I am going to have a little bit of Nolan Jones. Just because. Yeah, that would be like wild. Like if. He might bat 210, but he might hit like he might be Chris Davis. <laughs> like, I, was say, I don't with care. His, with his 30% strikeout rate. Yeah, but he might hit 40 like home runs. Like that what, might be a thing. What about Nick Senzel versus Osvaldo Cabrera? Nick Senzel's still alive. Yeah, and he's going to start for the Reds, apparently. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, until, who's, he, until he stubs his toe. Who's your outfielder? Mine is another uh, red linked player. Uh, I'm picking Jesse Winker. Uh, had the down year last year, uh, but really not much had changed aside, in my opinion, than he was playing hurt. Mm-hmm. Had a bad neck. Uh, adjusted, or it, it hurt his quality of contact. But if you look in terms of the, the line drive percentage was still good, albeit maybe a little bit low. Um, whiff rates were still all the same. He didn't chase anymore. He had... Roughly the same amount of contact. Um, he had his operation. He got his trade out of Seattle, which we know is terrible for left-handed power. He goes to Milwaukee, which we know is pretty good for power, especially left-handed. Um, I want to say he's had pretty good numbers in his career at uh, Miller Park. I would need to go back and look again. But, uh, yeah, really excited for Jesse Winker this year. Hmm. I've always liked Jesse Winker, but uh, I am concerned uh, about the injuries. But hopefully, this is a, a a new and improved Jesse Winker who can stay healthy. But you know, the Brewers are, they have a pretty terrible track record of player development and keeping their big name players healthy. I think Look the at- thing with him is now they're the expectation is he's just going to DH. That that'd so be good for him. That, also, yeah, that that'll be the best thing for him. The problem there is that you also need to DH Christian Yelich because he can't. Um, those injuries are taking a toll. They've they've started to add up, and and Kristen Yelich is a shell of his former self at this point. He is thirty one years old, so he's. I mean, gonna he played in one hundred and fifty four games. Yeah, but and he hit on. the shit out of the ball. Like yeah, it's, and it didn't result to anything. But unless you're gonna tell me, well, the shift, the shift. But I guess that's. Just I mean, that could be a thing. Like that could be a thing for everybody. Yeah. That's the problem. Uh, but yeah, Kristen Yelich has looked like a very very old. He looks like a twenty year old veteran out there sometimes. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a step in the right direction. But only 14 home runs and 19 stolen bases. I mean, that's what we're trying to get out of Osvaldo Cabrera, <laughs> not out of uh, former MVP Kristen Yelich, who is supposed to be the face of that franchise. So I'm just saying. I mean, the, Luis Urias can't stay healthy, uh, and he's with the Brewers as well. And that's a guy that we both like a lot. Like one day he's gonna get the playing time. Uh, we talk about the lack of Psych. player. The- <laughs> We're talking about the lack of player development. Uh, Bryce Turing is finally going to get a chance after what it seems seemingly forever. We've been waiting for yeah. him to come up. And your favorite guy of all time, Keston Hira. Yep. And the thing that doesn't make sense is they have Keston Hira in a platoon. Keston Hira crushes right-handers, not left-handers. Figure it out, Milwaukee. Trade them. Do something, goddammit. it. I mean, I mean, let's face it, man. The Milwaukee, their, their forte is not um, the hitting. It's the pitching. Where they seemingly, I mean, just... I, I still really like their lineup, and I think it's only going to get better. 
uh, when f- guys like Sal Freelich come up. Uh, forget Abraham Toro is on that roster too. Right now they have him in the minors. I still mm-hmm. think he ends up somewhere on that bench. Granted, them signing Brian Anderson, a uh, longtime Miami Marlin, makes that a little bit harder. But um, when like Sal Freelich and Joey Weimer come up, uh, they're still not on the 40-man, which might delay their arrival to past opening day. Uh, I think that outfield is going to be really talented. I think the lineup is going to be very dangerous. It's going to be powerful and athletic. It's a very interesting lineup that they're building out there in Milwaukee. Wait, they traded away Esti Uri Ruiz? Yeah, he's on the A's. Yeah, I know. I, I just realized that. Uh, what was the deal They got They that? got back William Contreras. And oh, then that was, was in the of- that was in the Sean Murphy deal. Oh wow! That, that was a that was a three team deal. It, it, it all that uh, Milwaukee gave up was um, Ruiz and a reliever, and they got William Contreras. It was wild. Like mm-hmm. they, it was the the robbery of the century. They had no part in that deal. They shouldn't have even been involved. But uh, and the A's uh, get a the, cheap. Yeah, the A's get Ruiz and a relief pitcher and a couple of starting pitchers from Atlanta. Listen, I am intrigued by Ruiz, but it's like a thing I've been saying for a long time, especially with these uh, cheap-ass teams, that they purposely get these punch-and-judy hitters, these (laughs) slapdick hitters, because they know that they're cheaper. And Ruiz is no exception. Oh, but we're going to do contact and and defense, and and we're going to steal bases. No, you just don't want to spend any money, which uh, did you see that graphic from earlier? Back in 2002 during the money. Oh, yeah, the A's, they had a higher payroll in 2002 than they did now. In 2022 or 2023. Well, it's like their payroll now sitting at $27 Uh, The Mets alone are paying James McCann and Robinson Cano $29 just to be elsewhere. And that's twenty seven million. That's despite the fact that inflation has to take. You got to account for inflation, the uh, and all that rise in the minimum uh, salary for players. Exactly, Uh, TV contracts uh, being outrageous. Outrageous for everybody except for the Oakland Athletics, apparently. So, who are who? You know what? At this point, I I will not be surprised if they get contracted or relegated or whatever that term is. I'm sorry, you say something? No. Oh, okay. So uh, I'm going to leave you with this, uh, Sean. Uh, the backup plans in case you would have picked those Valvo Cabrera. Harrison Bader, Ooh. Lars Newbar, and Dylan Carlson. All of them. <laughs> all, the, all, with, all the Cardinals guys. Except for Bader. But yeah, all the. That's, oh, he's yeah. a former card. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Former card. Anybody associated with the Cardinals. So uh, Mike Harvey and Raheel Kalkalawata. Uh, uh, who I've been bashing the Cardinals. They're both Cardinal fans. I've been bashing the Cardinals and the Cardinal fans and the Cardinal players. There, I said something nice about the Cardinals this week. So there you go. <laughs> All right, Sean. Well, uh, that went a lot longer than I expected, but you know, have fun uh, getting yelled at. I will get yelled at. I've been getting yelled at all week, man. It's like it's <laughs> January and February. This is my uh peak baseball concentration months. Yes. So I, I it's just it's just like the peanuts, uh the cartoon where the adults are talking to take out the trash. Wah, 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 wah. What's Penelope doing? Wah, 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 wah. Where's the cat? I don't know. I'm I'm busy. <laughs> I'm busy trying to figure out if Wilmer Barneville can be added to my prospect list for this year. Of course. Anyway, last words from you, Sean. Go ahead. Uh I am just rousing fan graphs and I want to say, Justin Mason, I am ashamed that in your outfield rankings, you have TJ Friedel <laughs> and Randall Grichik 
um, among some other sketchy names, ranked higher than Jeff McNeil and Brandon Nemo. You know what that is, Sean? From from a guy who uh, does his own rankings every winter, that that just sounds like fatigue on his end. Like you're ranking these guys, you're ranking these guys, and all of a sudden, like, oh man, these guys—they all look like jumbo. They all look oh, like it, it is very funny. Uh, Brandon Nimmo and Brendan Donovan are 54 and 55. So just like you were saying, <laughs> they are literally back to back right there. <laughs> I'm telling you, sometimes that happens. So you're, you're ranking these players like Brandon Donovan, Brandon. Oh, uh, you know what? These guys are all the same. Whatever. Let's just. Why does he have I got. I got to move. Uh, I'm just talking to myself here. You, you go ahead and uh, wrap us up. No, that, that was it. Justin okay. Mason probably is like, I, I got to get going. I got to get going. I got to move on and just move on to the next player and put him on my <laughs> list and keep interrupting Paul Spohr on the, on his podcast. <laughs> I, I, I love I love that podcast. But the, the it's, but, it's a sleeper in the bust. Thank you. Sleeper in the bust. But man, it's like Paul Spohr will have a good point to make. And then just Justin Mason. Oh, that's, 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 that's just not a good pick. It's a, it's a stupid pick. But why, why would you do that? <laughs> why would you do it? <laughs> I just don't like it. And then Paul Spohr. Well, well the because re- he's so spoken. <laughs> well, the reason that we have to go that way. Well, it doesn't make any sense. I'm just saying it's, it's so stupid. It hey, they're I, the yin and the that. yang. They're the yin and exactly. the yang. The Sean and the Felipe are the other there, podcast. There you go. All right. Well, speaking of which, that's Sean. I am Felipe. We'll see you all next time. Adios, guys. See you.